Amen. Uh, the Lord just kind of took my mind as, as I was standing there worshiping a few moments ago to the book of Acts chapter 4. And in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were, were taken before uh, the council and, and made to give an account for the miracle that they performed at the temple, the first miracle of the church. And what, what ensued is quite incredible because... Um, they're released, the Bible says, in Acts 4.23, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said this. Their, their response to the issue in front of them was prayer. They said, Sovereign Lord, who made heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father, your David, uh, uh, your, our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth have set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. And they said, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, they say this, Look upon, your, uh, upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They say, God, we're under attack, we're under pressure, but we want you to help us to speak your word with boldness. We want to continue preaching. Listen, while you stretch out your hand, to heal. They said, grant it to us, Lord, that we may speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Amen. Ever since the beginning of the New Testament church, healing and miracles and signs and wonders have been a part of the DNA of what it means to be a Christian. In this series, we started last week, we're talking about miracles happen. How many of you believe that miracles happen? Amen. Wave your hand at me if you believe miracles happen. I want to ask you, how many of you believe that God has the ability to heal somebody? Amen. Does anybody believe in healing? Because at the end of the service, we're going to pray for these needs for God to heal and for God to deliver and to, to say. But how many at the same time, how many of you have ever prayed that God would heal somebody and he did? Anybody? Amen. I venture to say if you prayed for anybody to be healed, you've probably had that experience. It's one of the biggest tensions for people concerning the topic of healing is when we know that God is able, when we know that God can, when we believe and trust in His everlasting ability, but then God doesn't. Anybody ever had that experience? It's confusing. People start to ask questions, and, and maybe doubts will arise surrounding the topic of healing. It wasn't many years ago a man sat across from the table and took me to task for why doesn't God heal all the children at St. Jude's? Why doesn't He do it? This is a tension that people face because we have these two competing pieces of knowledge. One, that God 
is a healer. That God is invested in healing. That there's healing all through the scripture. There's healing all through the New Testament. But God doesn't always heal, does he? In fact, in in the Old Testament, it's just laced with healing. God healed Hannah so that she could have a miraculous birth. Elijah, the prophet, raised the boy from the dead. Uh, Then you have God who healed Nebuchadnezzar of his insanity. In fact, there may be hope for some of your family members if he could do it for Nebuchadnezzar. (laughs) Praise God. Maybe he could do it for your family too. But God is a God of healing all throughout his history. All throughout his interactions with mankind, he has the ability and the power to heal. Within the Gospels, there are 30 different healing miracles described. And there is implied hundreds more. That Jesus, every day of his earthly ministry, for three and a half years, was encountering people who were in need of all kinds of healing. Physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, all sorts of healing. But Jesus was a healer. In fact, that's what he was most known for in his earthly ministry up until the cross. Because Jesus healed the blind. He opened deaf ears. He healed lepers. He raised the dead. I was laughing a while back. Last year we had a healing service. And I, I remember there were some people with some questions afterwards. Why does, why does it happen this way? And, and why do ministers who are using the gift of healing do it that way? And and just qualms. People have qualms because you bring a faith healer in and they're like, oh, no, you know. Anybody, anybody know I'm telling the truth tonight? And I, I remember having those conversations and the, the distinct thought hit me. A lot of us would be really uncomfortable with Jesus' ministry. Because Jesus was always healing. He was drawing attention to sick people and healing them. He was drawing attention... When he went to crowds, he would pick them out of a crowd and heal them. Jesus was a healer. He cared about people's conditions. He cared about their physical uh, ailments and illnesses. You try to say that fast. Jesus was a healer. And not only was Jesus a healer, his church was a healing church. In Acts, Paul preached so long that... Eutychus was sitting up in the window and he was listening to Paul preach for so many hours. Y'all that say I'm long-winded, <laughs> hear me out. <laughs> Paul preached so long that Eutychus fell out of the window, three stories, onto the pavement below and died. I might have bored some people. I might have put some people to sleep. I might have even put myself to sleep once or twice preaching. I've never killed anybody. Paul killed the young fella. Just word him, took the sword of the Spirit and killed him. He falls out of the window, but what does Paul do? Paul goes down to where Eutychus is at. And he kneels down and lays hands on him. And he raises Eutychus from the dead. Because we don't just have a healing Savior. We have a healing Spirit. Amen. It wasn't just for the time while Jesus was on earth, but the Holy Spirit. After that, it has come upon you. You shall receive power. And Paul exercises that power, lays hands on the poor young man that got worded to death, and raises him back to life. If you think about it, it's really better. You might have preached boring enough to put people to sleep and kill them. 
But you can raise the dead. I think he's going to be all right on his ministry resume on that one. There's a healing ethic all throughout the history of God and his people. In fact, one of the most controversial miracles is when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. The reason is, is because they say that that's why Peter denied Jesus three times. I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. By the way, it's great to have my mother-in-law in town tonight. I had to slip that. I heard a preacher say that one time. I had to slip that joke in. Um, but I, I believe in a God that has power to heal today. Do you believe that? God has power to heal today. In John 14, he declared, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was opening blind eyes. He was opening deaf ears. He was raising the dead. He was seeing sicknesses be healed. And he said, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will even do greater things than these greater works than these shall ye do. If you believe and follow Jesus, you're in the healing ministry. And the same power that healed the sick when Jesus walked the earth heals the sick today. God does it through the faith-filled prayers of his people. And we serve a God to whom all things are possible. A God who can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can ask or think or imagine according to his power. Listen to this. That is at work within us. The church. The power that is at work in us allows God to do the exceeding and abundant stuff. Miracles can happen. Somebody say that. Miracles happen. And they're supposed to happen through me and you. Not just the preacher. But if you believe in me, whoever, not, not some that believe in me, not a qualified, but whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these. Listen, I, I just want to take a moment here. And, and I just want to take a survey across this room. If you've ever been healed in your body, I just want you to raise your hand. Amen. I want you to look across this room at the amount of people that have experienced the healing touch of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. There are healings. Brother Charlie just got up just a few weeks ago on a Sunday and shared how in a service last year God healed him of fibromyalgia. We could go around tonight and we could start telling testimonies. Brother Hodge recently shared about the conditions of your son's birth and what you went through and how God's a healer. And we, we had a similar experience with Ryland when he was born and, and how God just has intervened in the affairs of the lives of the people just sitting in this room. God is a healer. God is still in the healing business today. And, and we've, got, we've seen God do some miraculous things in this church just this last year. Uh, Brother Robert Guess, I, I think it was about a year or so ago, he's not here tonight, but he was in his deer stand and had a stroke um, and, and, and basically somehow made it down to his car and back to his house. He, he doesn't even remember how. He somehow makes it home. And his wife took him to the hospital. He called and Pastor and I went up to pray with him. And by the time we got there, he himself had prayed. And he said, I was praying and I felt the Lord touch me and something came back. And, and his mind was not impacted at all by a stroke. His bodily functions not impacted at all by a stroke. We serve a healing God. It didn't even take a preacher. He got healed before the preacher. Some of y'all hear that. You get to the hospital. 
I'll just take care of it. We'll be along to congratulate you. <laughs> but that's a man of faith. And God healed his body. And God healed his mind. And in fact, if I get sick, I'm going to go have Brother Robert Guest lay hands on me because he's a man of faith. God is a healer. But listen, sometimes when you believe God can and he doesn't, it can unsettle you, shake you, rock you to your core. And you begin to ask, where is God? God, I knew you would, but why is my family member still struggling with illness? I believe you could, but why do I still suffer depression? And why am I still facing anxiety? I believe you can. God, we've prayed and prayed and prayed, but why is my family member still suffering from cancer? Why did they die of cancer? If you serve the Lord very long at all, you've asked these very questions. Many people struggle with this and even come to the conclusion that maybe God is not real. Maybe, maybe God doesn't care. Maybe he's real, but he doesn't care. Or, or maybe he's not a good God after all. And people start coming up with all kinds of conclusions based on this one question right here concerning healing. If God can and he doesn't, how, how do we reconcile it? How do we pull it back together? What do we do? How do we go before God? And how do we pray if we believe that he can and we know that he has, but he doesn't do what we know he could do and we think that he should do? How do we handle that? So I want to talk about that a little bit tonight because I believe it's going to help us to see God use us to see more people healed. Listen, our God heals, but he doesn't heal everyone all the time. God heals, but the reason it's called a miracle is because it doesn't happen every single time. In fact, it's, it's out of the norm. It's the definition of a miracle, but, but God is a healer. I want to give you three quick examples of people that God didn't heal in Scripture. In, uh, in uh, Paul's third missionary journey, he took eight friends. One of the eight was a man named Trophimus. And in 2 Timothy uh, 4.20, Paul writes and says, Erastus stayed in Corinth, and he said, And I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Paul said, Trophimus was on the road traveling with me. We're seeing people healed and delivered. But he got too sick, so we left him behind. The preaching had to continue, but Trophimus couldn't. Because Trophimus was sick. Anybody ever stayed home from church? Amen. Sick? There's some home tonight. Because of weather? Because of laziness? And some because of sickness? He said, we left Trophimus behind. Not only did we not heal him, we left him. Sorry, buddy. Hope you feel better. we got to go preach. Left him behind. Trophimus wasn't healed. But listen, it wasn't just Trophimus because Paul writes to Timothy, 1 Timothy 5.23, his son in the gospel. He's telling him, use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. He's saying, you've got some illnesses and sicknesses in your life. There's some stuff in Timothy's life God didn't heal. Does it mean God's not a healer? No, it doesn't mean that. 2 Corinthians 12, this is the same guy, Paul, who shook a serpent off in the fire, and God miraculously delivered him out of all sorts of stuff. God caused the scales to fall off his eyes. He had healing. He had miracles behind him. But God says, or, or Paul begins to write, and, and, and God speaks to him to us uh, about the thorn in Paul's flesh. Because Paul said, there's a messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet me. And he said, I cried out to the Lord three times. 
and the Lord would not take it away. Three times. Now, scholars have all sorts of ideas and theories about what Paul's issue was, but we just know it as Paul's thorn in the flesh. Maybe some believe that he had uh, eye issues and that he couldn't see, others that he was married and he had a thorn in his flesh. <laughs> really, I mean, that, that is one of the theories. But uh, all sorts of theories. All sorts of theories. But we do know this. Paul said, I cried out three times. Wouldn't it be nice if your prayer life was such that that was worth mentioning? I prayed three times and God didn't even hear me. Usually he comes through at about one or two. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Paul said three times I cried out. Can you believe it? Brother Gary, three times I had to pray before God healed me. But it's easy to misunderstand what Paul is saying here because in the original language, when it says that he cried out, it wasn't three separate moments of prayer, but what it was really more like is three ongoing, persistent pursuits. Three ongoing seasons of prayer that Paul had where he sought the Lord. Ongoing, passionate, desperate seasons of pleading with God to take this away. This is the apostle who wrote the majority of the New Testament. And he said, sometimes God doesn't heal. God speaks to him and he says, no, Paul, I'm not going to heal you because my grace is sufficient for you. And in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. So we have a God who can heal, but doesn't always heal everybody. Amen? Now, there are three reasons that in the Bible that Jesus didn't do miracles, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll rush through these and, and talk about them. But first of all, Jesus did not do miracles to prove himself. I remember when I was a kid, and I wanted things. I remember just praying when I was about 13 years old. Oh, God, if you'll just let me to be 16... Let me live to be 16 and get my driver's license. I'll serve you forever. I'll just, I'll, Lord, if you just show me, if you'll just do it, I'll, I'll give my whole life. You know? Anybody ever remember praying anything like that? Lord, if you, just, if you just do this one thing, then I'll know you're real and I'll serve you. And Lord, if you'll just come through in this one way. But listen, God doesn't play that kind of game. Just let me win the lottery, Lord, and I'll believe and I'll... Pay tithes and I'll give you everything I got. Well, you won't do it now. Why would you do it then? <laughs> Mark chapter 8 says the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus to test him. And they asked him for a sign from heaven. They want to know, are you who you say you are? If you're really the son of God and if, if you're really sent by God, then you can heal. And, and, and they want a sign from heaven. If you, Just show, show us what you're made of. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation ask for a sign? For truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. God is not going to heal your body to prove to you that he is God. And I'm going to prove to you in this sermon why that doesn't work. Lord, if you'll heal my body, then I'll live for you and I'll, I'll trust you and I'll, I'll do all. That's not how God works. God works by faith. And miracles happen by faith. You receive by faith. You don't receive by twisting God's arm and getting him to prove himself. And God doesn't do miracles to prove who he is. He doesn't do miracles to settle your, your doubt issues. Because that's just not who God is. And, and we'll look more at that. But Jesus 
second thing is never performed a miracle that interfered with God's ultimate plan. In other words, if it doesn't fit into the will of God, then God's not going to do it. Lord, I need a miracle for this or for that. Listen, our only hope of receiving the miraculous is through submission to the will of God. We cannot impose our will on God without regard to His will and expect to see God heal or save or deliver. Now, I know that this all sounds like theory, but this is deeply personal. It's deeply personal because I I had a parent, my mother, that I lost to cancer. And I, I strongly believe that God didn't heal her because it was not a part of His will. Not because He could not heal her. Not because He couldn't deliver, but because it was not a part of the fabric of the plan and the will that He had for her life, for others' lives. You see, there's, there's things that God knows that we don't know. We don't know that if she had lived longer, that she might have encountered something that would have made her so bitter that she couldn't be saved. We don't know that. But God knows that. And so God is never going to heal somebody outside of the... the, the the parameters of his own will. He's not going to do it. God runs everything through his will, right? And so Jesus never performed a miracle that interfered with his will. You know, Jesus chooses um, to do a miracle in one moment in Matthew chapter 26, and then a moment later he withholds a miracle when it was within his power to do it. And and I believe that that's what this, this point illustrates, because in the garden scene when Judas came and betrayed Jesus. The Bible says Judas looked for this convenient season to come and betray Jesus. And he finds it after the meal of Passover. Jesus goes in the garden to pray. Judas runs off and brings the high priest and all the troops to Jesus. And he betrays him with a kiss. We know the story. And in that moment, Peter is like a good old boy. He's not having it. Right? Not my Jesus. You're not going to roll up in here, Judas, and and turn everything upside down. And in that moment of heat, Peter pulls out his sword and reaches out and strikes at Malchus. Now, I don't know what you believe, but I believe he was trying to kill the dude. I don't believe he was aiming for the ear. I believe that he was aiming for the head and looking to split him down to the heart, but he only caught him on the ear. And Malchus is left bloody and broken, and that's not the will of God. To fight what's happening. It's the will of God to go to the cross. And Jesus reaches down and picks up the man's ear and heals Malchus' ear. And and say, don't worry, Peter, you can put your sword up. I've got this. And Jesus, because it's a part of his will, heals Malchus. Now listen to this. Just a few verses later, Jesus says, don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us? And he would send them instantly. But if I did, this is New Living Translation, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Here's what Jesus is saying to Peter. I'll heal Malchus because it doesn't interfere with my will. But I won't call 10,000 angels because it does interfere with my will. And so God works his miracles through, the, through his own will. And so sometimes when we pray, what we don't understand is we are praying without being in accordance to His will. He said, if you ask anything in my name according to my will, it, it shall be done, right? 
If we agree it's touching anything, it shall be done. Does that give us carte blanche to heal anything and everything that moves? No, it doesn't. But we operate in accordance with the will of God. And sometimes we just don't understand all that God understands about the circumstance. Sometimes we don't understand that God's strength is made perfect in weakness. And the testimony that will come out of somebody living through sickness is greater than the testimony of them being healed. I didn't plan to share this, but I'm going to throw it in, and then I'm going to rush more at the end. But I, I feel led to throw this in. is I read a book a few years ago called A Picture's Purpose by Pastor Danny Whitley in uh, Arkansas, Searcy, Arkansas. At the time, he was a relatively unknown pastor. My, my good friend, Wesley Robinette, who's coming here to preach later this month, uh, was working for him, and he handed me the book off and, and said, you've got to check this out. It's an amazing book. Nobody had hardly read it at that point in time. But I picked it up, and I began to read about how when God used Gideon to defeat the Midianites, Gideon and his 300, how they walked with their, uh, he said they had a candle or, or a torch, a pitcher, and a trumpet. And they're the three most unlikely things that anybody would ever use to uh, defeat a Midianite army. But it, it was actually a brilliant uh, move tactically that God led Gideon to because in those days when armies marched at night, they had one lamp bearer. And so when the Midianites would have looked up and seen 300 different torches, they would have assumed that there were a thousand plus soldiers along with every one of those 300. So you move from 300 men to 300,000 men like that. But here's the thing. What about the picture? We know the trumpet. You know, they blew the trumpet and woke them up. And then they all killed themselves. But what about the picture? The picture's purpose was simply to hold the light until it got to the optimal place to where it could be seen. And that was the picture's purpose. The picture's purpose was just to contain the light until it was maneuvered to the right and correct position. And then its very purpose was to be broken. And in its breaking, it would begin to shine the light out. Man, it was a revelation to me because I had watched my mom suffer through cancer. And I had watched, I'd watched her keep her faith. I had watched her make her, her heart right with everyone around her. I had watched her example in death. And I saw a lot of light coming out of that broken picture. We don't always understand why God does what He does and why He doesn't do it. But understand this. God knows and is able to work every miracle according to to his will. And so when we pray and it doesn't happen and we lay hands on somebody, it's not because we didn't have the faith or because we weren't holy enough or righteous enough or we didn't fast enough that we sometimes it's simply because it's not according to the will of God. Anybody believe that? Say amen. Amen. I had to make sure y'all were still out there. The third reason is Jesus didn't do miracles where there was no faith. No miracles if there was no faith. Scripture records Jesus going to his hometown and teaching. He goes back to Galilee. And when he comes, what do they say of him? They said, is this not Joseph the carpenter's son? Who does he think he is? This guy? I used to run the schoolyard with this guy. Who is he? Matthew thirteen fifty eight says, Jesus went home. But he could do 
not, he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Now, the way the King James puts it is because of their unbelief. Because they didn't believe he couldn't heal. It wasn't that he didn't have the power to heal. It was that they didn't have the faith to receive the healing that he had the power to do. Everybody got that? Listen, our faith moves the heart of God. Faith is how we receive the miraculous. Mark 5.34, the woman with the issue of blood didn't stop bleeding for 12 years. She's ceremonially unclean. Her life is ruined. Her money's gone. But... When she reaches out and touches the hem of gar- his garment in faith, Mark 5, 34, Jesus says, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has healed you. Then there's the other leper who came back, the ninth leper that came back, uh, or, or the tenth leper that came back and, and fell at the feet of Jesus to worship him because he had healed him. And Luke 17, uh, 19, Jesus says, Rise up and go because your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. You receive what you got because you believed in the one who was giving it. Blind Bartimaeus screams out, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, thou son of David. Mark 10, 52, Jesus said, go, your faith has healed you. Somebody say, it's about our faith. It's about faith. Uh, When Jesus saw faith, he was always amazed. When he saw faith, he was always amazed. Matthew 8, the Roman centurion comes to him, and he, he has a sick servant at home. And he tells Jesus about the sick servant, and, and Jesus says, well, I'll, I'll come. I'll come to your house and heal you. And the Roman centurion stops him, and he says, listen, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. I'm not worthy for you to come under my house, uh, uh, under the roof of my house. If you will just say a word, if you will just say a word, and speak it, my servant will be healed. He said, for I also am a man under authority, and I can say to my soldiers, go, and they go, and I can say, come, and they come. And he said, I recognize your authority, and if you'll just speak the word, my servant will be healed. And when Jesus heard him, he was amazed. He's amazed. Because he had not seen such great faith in Israel. He's amazed at the centurion's faith. Jesus is always amazed at people's faith. He says, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. This man had the simplistic faith enough to believe that I don't need a big spectacle, I don't need a big show, I just need you to speak a word, Lord. And if you will just speak, my my servant can be healed. Now listen, Jesus was amazed by his faith, marveled at his faith, the King James says. But in Mark chapter 6, when Jesus went to his hometown and no one's impressed, the Bible says that uh, because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Wouldn't that be nice to be a bad day? Worth noting, only a few people got healed that day. But Jesus could do no great work there. And listen, verse 6 says he was amazed at their unbelief. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Faith always amazes God. Here's the question I have for you. How is your faith amazing God? Is it the little wow? I'm like, wow, I can't believe they don't believe. I've been healing all around them. I've been delivering. They've seen it. And, and, and they saw the hands all across this room that God can heal. And so there are two types of amazement. Is There is the little wow where God's like, wow, I can't believe that they don't believe. 
But then there's the big wow where God says, you know what? I've not seen so great of faith in all of Israel. Faith is always amazing to God because miracles operate by the law of faith. I I talked about this about a year ago and I felt like rolling it in because I feel like it's such an important understanding that we need to have about the law of faith. Romans talks about the law of faith. Now, maybe we don't know much about the law of faith, but we know about the law of electricity. Anybody know about the law of electricity? If you have an open wire and you touch it, what happens? Anybody? Yeah, you're shocked, right? Nobody comes along and says, I'm immune to the laws of electricity and reaches and grabs the wire. and does, it, it affects everybody the same way, doesn't it? It's a natural law, how electricity flows. It doesn't just one day wake up and decide, I'm going to flow through this, this piece of wood right here. Wood is not a conductor. And so electricity can't flow because that's not how the laws of electricity work. It takes a conductor to convey electricity, right? And so we know the law of electricity. Don't touch that wire. We used to have a horse fence that, that was electric and it had this big spring. And it was about the most dangerous thing you've ever seen because... It was too much of a hassle to let loose, so we would jump over it. Not a good idea. Because the law of electricity will single you out. <laughs> no, it won't single you out. It didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter where you're from. It didn't matter how good you looked that day, whether you had your nice clothes on or your ugly clothes on. It doesn't matter if you talk back to your mama. If you touch that fence with your leg just right, it's going to shock you. It's a law. Somebody say it's a law. And so miracles are based on God's laws, not God's decisions. You see, we tend to think of God as picking the winners and losers. And I'm going to heal this one, but I'm not going to heal that one. Now, we've already established that miracles happen according to God's will, right? As long as it doesn't interfere with God's will, we can receive a miracle. But it operates by the law of faith. And I believe that the reason we see few miracles in the church is that our knowledge concerning God's law of faith and our confidence in that law is either very small or non-existent. Is we don't understand just how much our faith plays a role. More than how much you prayed last week. More than how much you fasted this year. Now those things can increase your faith. And those things can prepare your faith. But understand this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that believeth in God and he that would come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's a law of faith. Mark 11, Jesus gives his disciples an object lesson on the law of faith. Jesus is walking along in Mark 11 and he's hungry. I know I'm blasting through some of this, but I want to share it. And and we've only got a few minutes left. But Jesus sees the fig tree. He's hungry. And he sees the tree from a distance, and when he arrives at the fig tree, there's no figs on the fig tree. It's like pulling up to McDonald's and the ice cream machine is broken again. I just got down where we live, didn't I? Ice cream machine, you guys. They need to see somebody about whoever makes their ice cream machines. I'm just telling you. Jesus wants a fig, and they got no figs on the tree. The other day, I, I opened the pantry, and there's a box of Thin Mints. Thank you, Sister Keisha, for the Girl Scout cookies. I said, oh, yeah, fixing to get some Thin Mints. I reached up and picked up the box, and it was way too light. And I was about like Jesus. I was about ready to curse that box. May no one ever eat Thin Mints from you again. That's what Jesus does. He's disappointed because there's no figs. And his disciples 
stand back in amazement as Jesus curses the tree and says, May no one ever eat figs from you again. And then they walk off into the sunset. A few verses later, they come by the next morning. And Peter sees the fig tree is withered from its roots. And Peter is amazed. He says, look, the tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered in verse 22, and he says, have faith in God. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, this is an object lesson in faith. I'm trying to reveal something to you about faith. Because Peter is blown away that Jesus has spoken to this tree and that in one night's time it is withered up from the roots simply at the word of a man who was passing by who didn't get the fig that he wanted. And Jesus answered and said, have faith in God. Jesus is dealing in the realm of faith here. And and he's giving an object lesson in the law of faith. He says, truly, Peter, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain. Now, they were standing on Mount Olivet, on a mountain, by a withered tree. And he says, Peter, you're amazed about the tree. But he says, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. There are only three qualifiers. He didn't say, Peter, if, you have, if you've been living right, if you listen to sermon podcasts all day, if you, you finish your daily Bible reading program, and you, you, you didn't even get ugly with anybody in traffic, then you can speak to the mountain and be moved. If you're a preacher, Peter, then you can say to the mountain, be moved, and it'll, it'll move. Peter, if you've been going to church consistently for at least six weeks, and you have an 82% average on uh, coming down to the altar on Sunday services, we should average that out sometime. Peter, if you have all that right, then you can say to the mountain, be removed and cast in. That's not what he said. He said, Peter, listen, here's the first qualifier of faith. You've got to be somebody, anybody. It doesn't matter who you are. Whoever says anyone can speak to the mountain, that means you, not just the apostles, not just the first century Christians, not just uh, uh, Jesus, not just those holy people back then, not just the preacher or the faith healer of today. He says, whoever you are, whatever you've done, It doesn't matter what your religious pedigree is, how many times you went to Sunday school, how many ministries you volunteered for, if you've done all these things or none of these things. It doesn't matter because whoever will say to this mountain, be removed, and believe it in their heart, the mountain will be removed. you just got to have faith. It's not about who you are. He said it's... Anybody can speak to mountains and see the move. Second, he said, we must not doubt in our heart. It's not a matter of speaking the magic words and praying the right prayers and saying just what God wants to hear. And when you hit it just right, then God says, you know, I'm changing my mind today. That's not how laws work. It's the law of faith. He says, it's not about the words that are coming out of your mouth. It's about whether or not you're wavering from those words in your heart. He says, if you speak it, to this mountain and believe in your heart and does not doubt in your heart. James said it this way, let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord for he is a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. So listen, you just got to be somebody. Second, 
You've got to drive doubt out of your heart. You got to, how do you drive doubt? How, you know how doubt comes into your, your life? It comes in talking, right? It rolls in with something to say, with competing knowledge. Do you really think that he's going to get out of that wheelchair? Do you really think God can beat cancer? Or do you really think that they're going to come through this sickness? And, and doubt will always have competing knowledge. But listen, this is how you defeat your doubts, is you talk back to your doubts. Here's a good suggestion. Start quoting scripture. I am the Lord that healeth all of thy diseases. For by his stripes we have healing. If I'm sick in my body, it's not about the exterior information that I'm getting. But I can drive doubt out of my heart by talking to my fears and to my doubts. And the third thing is we've got to speak it in faith. Somebody say speak it in faith. Faith moves the heart of God. It's not the size of your faith. He says, if you believe that what you say will come to pass, it will be done. See, if faith is a law, it's not a respecter of person. It doesn't take into account how hard you've worked. It doesn't weigh in how holy you've been. It doesn't measure out the metrics of your character and your worth. Look at the people who were healed in the Bible. You had uh, this woman with the issue of blood. No, no particular character or worth. Blind Bartimaeus, a beggar on the side of the road. Nothing that he's done to separate himself from the crowd. Look at the leper that came back and was made whole. He was just like the other nine lepers. He didn't do anything spectacular. But what he did do is he had faith in God. And so it doesn't matter where you're at in life, what you're going through in life, where you've been. If you can have faith in God, God can heal you. It's not a respecter of, uh, of persons. It doesn't measure out the metrics of your character and worth. It simply asks one question. Do you believe? Do you believe? It's the law of faith. Somebody say the law of faith. It's the law of faith. And I, I believe that that's where we really mix it up. Is we try everything but faith. We try to work our way into the miracle. Try, some of us, we try to pay our way into the Lord, if I give this offering, will you give me that healing? God's not in the trading business. Listen, it's a law. Gravity doesn't wake up one day and decide, I'm going I'm to work a little harder on Shelly than I am Donna. That's not gravity. It doesn't matter who you are to gravity. Gravity will accept you into the ground with open arms. <laughs> Equally. And, and that's the love of God. It doesn't care who you are. It doesn't care where you've been. That is the mercy and the loving kindness of God. It doesn't matter what you've been through. You, you could have been sinning up till five minutes ago, but if you can come to a point of faith and reliance upon God, God can heal your body. God can deliver your mind. God can set you free in your spirit. It's the law of faith. Thank God it's a law. Thank God it doesn't depend on me to earn it or to deserve it. Thank God it doesn't depend on all that because nothing that I can do could ever get me there. But listen, you don't even have to have a lot of faith. You don't even, some of you are saying, well, I don't have faith to lay hands on the, the sick and see them recover. I don't have faith for that. Listen to this. The, the man who brings his son to Jesus who is off casting the fire and into the water, he says, Jesus, if you can do anything, and Jesus says, anything, if you believe, all things are possible. I can do everything if you can believe. I can do it if you can believe it. And so 
uh, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me to overcome my unbelief. I believe, Lord, but I don't want to be let down. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want my expectations to be too high. When our faith is small, listen to this, we still have faith. And listen, he didn't have enough faith to be fully confident, but he had enough faith to see his son. He said, I do believe, but I need you to help my unbelief. And understand this. What do I do when I have small faith? I'm still going to pray. I'm going to believe. And and, and I'm just going to keep trusting. I'm just going to keep praying and trusting and believing. Listen, we prayed for my mom to be healed of cancer for six months. Every big-name preacher, you can stand with me. Every big-name preacher, everybody came in. People called on the phone. We prayed. We spoke in tongues. We had deep moves in the spirit. We believed with all of our heart. And my mother passed away from cancer. She was not healed. I was left with a choice. Here I am, a pastor and a preacher who believes in healing, but the evidence was weighed against me. And I feel the deep impact of it in my emotions and in my life. I chose. I said, Lord, you know what? I don't understand why you do what you do and when you do it, but Lord, I know you can. And Lord, I choose to believe that even though you didn't this time, that you could have and that you still can. Listen, it wasn't six months later that a lady came to our church in Aquaria Valley. We didn't even know her. She was a friend of a lady who attended our church, and she had surgery coming up on a Tuesday for, for cancer. It was in, intertwined. I believe with her liver, um, and they were going to go in and they were going to remove the whole liver because they were afraid of how intertwined it was and, and all this stuff. It was a, a major surgery. She came on a Sunday morning, and the Lord spoke to me in that service and said, all it takes for this woman to be healed is to obey the scripture, James 5, in faith. Let her call for the elders of the church, anoint with oil, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. So I said, Lord... I don't have a big screaming, shouting, emotional fit to give you, but I trust your word. And we're going to pray for this lady, and I believe, God, that you're going to heal her. We laid hands on her right in the middle aisle, about four rows back. We laid hands on her and prayed. She cried a little bit. You know, she soon caught fire, and healing angels swooped around the room. No, no, that didn't happen. She cried a little. I felt the touch of God. I said, man, that's awesome. Didn't think about it. I came back next Sunday, and she was back. And she told me, she said, you know, I, I went to have surgery, and when they cut me open, I've told this before, maybe you've heard it, but she said when they cut me open, the tumor that was supposed to be inter, intertwined with my organs fell out onto the table. And she said, they sewed me up and sent me home. I didn't have to do chemo or radiation or anything. Listen, listen, listen. He is the Lord that heals. Whether he does or not this time, he is the God that healeth all thy diseases. He paid for it on the cross. So listen, our faith isn't based on what God does. Our faith is based in who God is. We know that He is a healer. We know that He loves us and laid His life down. We know that He took stripes on His back for our healing. And so when we pray, we can pray confident, confident that God is a healer. Raise your hand again if you've been healed across this room. Raise your hand. Look at the testimonies across this room. 